All right. Ready? Ready. Ready. All righty. Hello, and welcome to Jesuitical, a new... Nope. I can't... No, I gotta get it in my head. No, nope. It sounded great. Okay. It sounded great. You're All good. Right. You're good. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Jesuitical, a new podcast from the young, hip, lay editors of America Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Olga Segura and Zach Davis. Hi, guys. Hey, everyone. How you guys doing? Pretty great. This is exciting. This yeah, is very it's exciting. Our very first episode of Jesuitical, so... It's yeah. a little nerve-wracking, a little bit. Yeah. Yep. But also exciting. It's very exciting. Maybe a little bit like... Trying out for the basketball team, except the basketball team is the podcast world. I got cut from my basketball team in high school, so I'm still really. <laughs> so, so how does that Where work? is this going? Uh, so I would like to redeem 15 year old Zach right now. I would like to at least make JV at podcasting. All okay, right. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> I think we're going to cut that. I don't, but whatever. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. So. Yeah. New podcast. And I noticed you said often over drinks. Yeah, it's it's usually, but there is a season for everything. And uh, we're currently about to embark on the season of Lent. Right. So um, when the listener hears this, it'll be Ash Wednesday. And so in solidarity with our dear listeners, we are abstaining from alcohol as we record this. Solemnly. Solemnly. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you guys going to get ashes? Of course. Of course. I think, I, I think I'm going to, yeah, we, we, Jesuitical, our, our podcast is giving you an inside look at what it is like to work with Jesuit priests. And one of the really good benefits of that is you don't even have to leave the office to get your ashes on Ash Wednesday. You can just go into the, the conference room, have a little chapel mass in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and also you can't really avoid it. So if you're the only one in the office without ashes on your forehead, it's yeah. Normally we have a Wednesday mass and it's you can like you can't really tell who went and who didn't, but mm-hmm. uh yep. It's pretty clear. <laughs> that that's if you all don't what, that, that's what Ash Wednesday's right about, right? Yep, Just... reminding us that we're going to die. <laughs> and some of us have been to church today and some of us have not. <laughs> all right. So, speaking of Lent, later in the show, we are going to be talking with America's editor at large. Father James Martin, about what makes a good Lenten practice. But first, it's time for Signs of the Times, the part of our show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week so you don't have to. What's our first story, Olga? Okay, so as you guys probably know, the Oscars were this week. Martin Scorsese, who we've done sort of a lot of silence coverage in the past few months, did not win the only category that he was nominated in, which was... Cinematography. Right, yeah. which went to La La Land, which I find questionable. I love La La Land. Maybe that's maybe that's fake news. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like at this point, we got to check the envelope <laughs> because we yeah. don't know. Next year's Oscars, they're gonna every single award they're gonna yeah. show. They're just gonna I put swear it on the God, screen. This is who won. Uh, this past Sunday, Pope Francis went where no pope has ever gone before: an Anglican church in Rome. Wow. Yeah. Now he had been to an Anglican church before. I'm pretty sure, but this is the first time that. A Roman pontiff has ever been in their space. So he went there on Sunday to uh, push for greater Christian unity and recognizing our common baptism with our Anglican brothers and sisters. So that's your Pope Francis update for the week. But it's not your only Pope Francis update for the week. Um, 
because the Vatican has just issued a statement um, saying it has a copyright on the image of the Pope. Apparently, they were getting upset with all the Pope t-shirts and bobbleheads and posters and whatnot. So they (laughs) issued a pretty stern warning. Um, They said, the Secretary of State will undertake systematic surveillance aimed at monitoring the way in which the image of the Holy Father and emblems of the Holy See are used. (laughs) (laughs) I know. As someone with multiple Pope Francis t-shirts and bobbleheads. Think about the memes. Yeah. Will this impact meme culture? Huh. Yeah. That's that's, that's really why the bigger question. Think about the memes. I don't know. <laughs> so our next story. Um, while we've been seeing many religious groups refuting President Trump's latest immigration ban, one group where support for this has sort of risen has been among white evangelicals. Um, and I actually came across this story um, because I saw you tweeting about it, Zach. Yeah, I noticed the story because more white Catholics approve of the immigration ban then disapprove of it it's you know 50 percent to like 49 so it's not large right but this kind of made me think was the caricatured pro-life but reluctant trump voter you know this is you know they're voting for trump but only because he's pro-life and that's the one issue is that a real thing because there's still a lot of people that are in this category that are supporting what, you know, for example, Hispanic and other minority Catholics right. overwhelmingly disapprove of, 80, almost like 84%. So that makes me wonder, was this lesser of two evils voter a real person? Mm-hmm. If you're one of those lesser of two evil people. Let us know. Let us How know. How do you feel about it? Yeah, email us. Jesuitical at americamedia.org. very excited to welcome Father James Martin SJ to our very first episode of Jesuitical and it is fitting that we have him here because it is the first day of Lent it's Ash Wednesday so welcome Father Martin thanks my pleasure can I can I call you Jim uh, feel free right. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Davis thank I you. just wanted to be really polite and say Father James Martin feel free yeah. yes thanks Jim can I call you Father Martin throughout? no you may not okay <laughs> you can call me whatever you want Jim you're our first guest yeah, I'm, this is, I'm really honored. Yeah, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. I had to stroll all the way down the hall. So, yeah. <laughs> What are you giving up for Lent this year? I usually try to um, be kind. That's my uh, little Lenten thing, which doesn't always work, but it's a it's an aspirational uh, Lenten goal. So yeah, I try to be kind. I try not to gossip a lot, you know, which is easy in the Jesuit community. I try to be positive. Um, and then I have this... Um, a friend of mine from Penn who's Jewish, and he he calls me every year and he tells me three things to give up. So I wait till Ash Wednesday and then he gives me like something to give up, believe it or not. So what what typically – what has he told you in the past? He gives me uh, a food stuff, you know, like steak or something, a spice and a candy. And sometimes they're, sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're actually hard. But what happened was in college, uh, my Jewish friends, um, they asked about Lent. They said, well, who decides what to give up, what you give up? And I said, I do. And they're like, that doesn't sound too hard. (laughs) (laughs) We should tell you. It's actually a good insight. I mean, you know, why should it be you that decides what to give up? It should be someone else. You know, like, Ashley, I think you should give up X, Y, Z. Yeah, no, I I need that. (laughs) The past couple of years, I tried the whole, like, taking up something. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't the same. Like, I tried to journal every day or, you know, 
write a letter to someone every day, which is like something I want to do. I mm-hmm. should do. Yeah. But that's not really what Lent is about. It's it it really is about giving up chocolate. It so is. I'm right. gonna try to go back to the Cause, basics. Because that's what that's what Jesus did in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> that was the fourth temptation. <laughs> to be honest, Girl Scout cookie season mm. does often overlap mm-hmm. with Lent, so. And I we mean, have a lot in our office, as I recall. That's yeah. God testing you right there, Ashley. That's, that's right. She is she is a harsh and punishing God. Yes. Uh, what makes a Lenten practice different than like a New Year's resolution? Um, it or a, like, yeah, just like self-help in general. Right. Because I feel like a lot of the times I'm tempted or I see my friends tempted to try and do this thing that's going to be like for a very superficial betterment of themselves mm-hmm. in the way that a New Year's resolution would be. But mm-hmm. I'm I, I I try not to, but I slip into my pious side where I'm like, nope, it has to be has to be hard on you. It has to be. Oh, that's interesting. And it can't get you a bikini bod. Is that no, what yeah, you, you shouldn't be doing. You shouldn't <laughs> right, be giving right. something up for Thanks a bikini for bod. destroying my lens act. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> also, maybe just justifying my own lack of physical activity. That's interesting. <laughs> you know, I I think it's it's temporary, and so people feel that they can do things that are harder. Um, you know, because there's only, you know, how many weeks, right? right? And something that they've been avoiding because it's hard is something that they might want to take up during Lent. Whereas I think a New Year's resolution seems so permanent. Like you say, I'm going to go to the gym every day, you know, in Forever. January 1st. Well, that's hard. <laughs> well, maybe I'll go to the gym every day on, in, you know, February, March, and April. I can do that. Do you cheat on Sundays? No, I think that's terrible. Do you guys cheat on Sundays? Of course. No, no. that's awful. <laughs> No, I mean, yes. like, what the heck is that? It's okay. Here's you think Jesus cheated on Sunday uh, <laughs> after he went to mass. All right, here, here's my here's my argument. Here's my argument. My mom always told me this, and maybe this is her Jesuitical way of thinking: is that it's way harder if you reintroduce this thing that you're giving up into oh your life gosh. once a week, right? Oh my so gosh. my mom was a big That's Diet Coke fanatic. <laughs> By that logic, you could say to a married couple, you know, you should cheat on your wife every couple months <laughs> because then. It's like really. It's okay on Sundays. On Sundays. Yeah. (laughs) Ash Wednesday, I always get this trivia question wrong. It's not a holy day of obligation, right? You know what? I always say to people, I don't know because I go to mass every day, and I just like, <laughs> show, I know I don't mean that in a bad way. I just like I just show up. So, but once in a while, you've got to look around and uh, be like, "Geez, there's a lot of people here." I don't, yeah, I, right. All right, Jim. So you recently had a column in the Pages of America about confession. You say a lot of people hate it. Mm-hmm. Why do people hate confession so much? That's a good question. Um, a lot of people have had bad experiences with it. You know, they've had a bad priest who said something stupid to them. A lot of people feel overwhelmed. They go for a couple of months or years, you know, without going to confession. They feel that their sins are too much. I know quite a few people who, who are in that situation. It's, yeah. it's kind of sad because I think they're missing the, – the best thing I ever heard about confession was something that one of my theology professors said to me in graduate school theology. And he said, confession is not about how bad you are, but about how good God is, which I love. Yeah. I think that the – Fear is real because it's such a vulnerable Mm -hmm. thing. Like my sister got married this summer and she went to confession the Friday before she was going to get married and the priest just berated her for not having gone to confession in I guess like a year or something. So she leaves the confessional like bawling and then just like goes to another priest (laughs) and is sitting there crying and then the other mean priest walks by and sees her going to confession again right after that experience. That's so sad. Although, you know, I always say, the other thing I say in the article is something an, another priest said to me, which is, um, I find helpful for people who've had that situation. Uh, now, your sister is, you know, obviously smart and enlightened, but a lot of people will say, well, I'm never going to go back. And I always say to people, if you had a bad experience with a physician, 
Would you never go back to a doctor? I, I kind of did that with my <laughs> dentist for like five years. <laughs> maybe, that's a, maybe that's a bad example, though. But would you never, ever go to see the dentist, right? And, right. and that's what I think people are missing, the grace of the sacrament, which is really beautiful. It's a, it's a, it's yeah. a sacrament of welcome. And, but I hear stories like that all the time, and that just really ticks me off, frankly. I've had some bad experiences, too, like kind of dumb things that people have said. The weirdest experience I had was I was in a, I won't say where, parish around here, and I went in, and usually identify yourself as a priest, like I'm a priest and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I told them whatever my sins were. And the guy gives, gives me absolution, and he doesn't give me a penance. And I said, oh, Father, you know, you forgot the penance. And he says, I'll never forget this, a priest's life is penance enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what is your life like? You know? <laughs> so I just did like, you know, 10 Hail Marys. Just- <laughs> Yeah. So there are two camps on confession that I think people fall into is especially if you are like we are friends with or colleagues with priests, go to someone you know, go to someone you don't know. You you kinda I think it's it's nice to go to someone you know. It's it's very humbling and they you know, and they know you and and then they they can't talk about it either. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too much of a danger. Yeah. That's, that's that's helpful. It's terrifying because, like Ashley was saying, you're in a state of such vulnerability. So, to talk to someone that you know and just kind of confess, it would terrify me. Like, really? Yeah. It's like even if I were to go to confession, I would not want to go to any of the priests I work with because mm-hmm. then I'd feel like I'm walking down my cubicle and you're all judging me. Although it's funny, I feel very. I mean, I go to spiritual direction a lot, which is you know where someone talks about your experience of God, and I'm used to just saying the you know, my worst sins and my most embarrassing th- sins. And the thing is, for Jesuits, they're kind of the same sins, right? Whatever they are. And it's not, you know, it's not like I'm murdering anybody. Or, mm-hmm. So there, there, there are similar things that a Jesuit would go through. So maybe there's, not, maybe there's, there's that too. There's kind of a commonality in the, in the kinds of things that we experience right. and, and what we do. So it's a little less frightening, I think. But if you do it, I do it at least once a month. And mm. Plus, I have no sins, so it makes it easier. <laughs> quick and, quick and <laughs> painless. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I think I have the problem. It's the same with the dentist where I let it build up because I'm a perfectionist and I think I have to craft this perfect confession. <laughs> it's the same with like writing where it's like I, I, I don't do drafts. Yeah. I just have to do it once and it has to be perfect. And I want the priest to think I'm bearing it all and I'm saying the worst that there is in me. So I won't, I won't go until – I'm ready to like just completely <laughs> lay my soul on the ground. Well, what, so the perfect confession is like super honest or super, super honest, super like. But couldn't you always be super honest? Like, couldn't you go in like every other week? And I mean, I could probably not. No, I mean, because like, you're not off supposed to, to go until you're really like committed to not doing it again. Oh, that's no, that, so, I see that. So yeah. like, I could go in between when I'm still trying to build up the courage to not do it again and do the lesser sins mm-hmm. but i don't because i feel like i need to like build up to this like mass like epic like i'm turning my life around confession well then yeah maybe that's part of it part of it may just be sort of seeing reconciliation as reconciliation with those regular daily sins instead mm-hmm. of some big big thing you know yeah. then maybe you could go more often because that that's what i do i'll do yeah. and it's just like oh and i can't even remember sometimes what my sins are and, yeah. but of course i don't sin so it's <laughs> different for me right than yeah. you a sinner but i could, there's not ever going to be like a like a text your sins I hope not. I mean, there, you know, press one if it's a mortal sin, press two if it's a right. sin. Right. Yeah. Stuff. You have received five Hail Marys. <laughs> Pope Francis released his annual Lenten message this year, earlier in February. You posted it 
on your Facebook page. Yeah, and it I love caught how, me off guard. Yeah, I mean, I love how they post these things so early. Plus, Lent's super early this year. Yeah, I was like, like, I'm not ready to give up chocolate. Why are you doing it? Yeah, before Valentine's <laughs> Thanks, Pope we, Francis. We still have, I think we still have our poinsettias up in the office. Yeah, honestly, yeah, which will be here till June, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> what was the thrust of the message this year? Money. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was talking about how the. Uh, sort of lust for money and a kind of focus on money can blind us to the needs of other people and can kind of disorient us in terms of our values. He's really on the money, no pun intended, with a lot of this. <laughs> and I think it's good because, you know, as Ashley was saying, a lot of times it, it gets sort of devolved into just I'm giving up chocolate or what are you giving up or that's harder. Rather than looking at this, you know, real sense of kind of conversion and repentance that I think, you know, I mean, not, not to speak for God, but I will. Um, <laughs> you know, Jesus talks about, you know, churning back and a metanoia and a real change of heart. And I think that's what the Pope is asking us to do in his Lenten message is really look carefully at place of money, how we treat the poor. And, you know, uh, we've had a big debate in America over this uh, Arthur Brooks article that we had, cover story. Yes. And, um, you know, what what does it mean to to look at the economic system and critique it? What does it mean to kind of live as a, as a Catholic in this sort of, you know, world of money and this world where the bottom line is king. And that's what the Pope's asking us to look at this line, which I think is really unusual and important. Uh, so I thought he was right on the money. Yeah. I just thought of this. Like Lent is usually, I think of it as a very like personal conversion experience, of, you know, purifying yourself, but taking like a, a social Lent, like what can you do in terms of your advocacy? Or- and asking how you fit into those yeah. social yeah, structures. Yeah. Yeah, like that, what what does it mean for society to yeah. give up? That's that whole idea of social, right? <laughs> well, that's a, no, I think that's know, a great way of looking at it. You know. What what is what would it mean? What is America's chocolate? Yeah, and it's money mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. and can we can we sort of give up that focus on it? You know, it's that whole idea in Catholic social teaching of social sin, which mm-hmm. is very controversial, but it makes sense. And it's funny when we were talking a lot in the office about Matthew twenty five and how Jesus asks us to uh, care for the the refugee and the stranger. And I didn't really know this. This is a, there's my confession. That passage in the Bible, Matthew 25, where he talks about, you know, helping the stranger and feeding the, uh, the, the hungry and clothing the naked is called the judgment of the nations. And so he, oh, wow. if you remember, like in Matthew, he's, he's judging the nations. Yeah. And so, so there is this call to kind of social conversion, I think, during Lent. I, I really, I thought that was a very powerful message from the Pope. So he uses the story of Lazarus as sort of his centering point. For his Lenten message, what is the story of Lazarus about? If you could set the scene for us yeah, so in an two, Ignatian way. Yeah, there's two Lazaruses, two Lazari uh, in, the, <laughs> in the Gospels. One is the one we know you know, more often, which is the guy who's uh, raised from the dead in mm-hmm. Bethany. But the other one is the story, uh, Lazarus uh, and Dives. And it's the guy who is a poor man named Lazarus who is outside the doorway of this rich man. And uh, he was so poor that even the dogs came and licked his sores, which is really very poignant. And, you know, we have people like that in New York today you know, who have sores on their bodies. And then the rich man goes to heaven and he is basically told, you know, you're not going to make it. And there is Lazarus. And the rich man says to Lazarus, just dip your finger in the water because I'm in torment. And, you know, basically the message is, you know, you could have done that. You could have helped Lazarus and you could have been a good person and ended up in heaven when you were on earth. So it's this really very powerful message about, you know, not only our responsibility to care for the poor, but also judgment. You know, it's something that's not very popular to talk about, but there is going to be a last judgment. I mean, the end of time, but also at the end of our lives, we believe. 
And the best thing I heard, the, the, all, frequently the best things I've heard about these things come from fellow Jesuits. A God that does not judge, this is from Bruce Morrill, who's a Jesuit theologian, is a God that does not care. And God does care about our actions. And so the Pope is reminding us that, that our personal actions make uh, a difference and also, as Ashley was saying, our, our social actions. So it's a kind of using that parable, uh, which is very strong and really harsh to call us to account and to turn us back like John the Baptist would have. You know, there's that repentance too during Lent. Yeah, it was crazy. I had an experience last night and this is not to throw my roommate under the bus in any way. <laughs> not at all. We were, we were walking home and someone started approaching us as often happens in New York and without sort of breaking stride or making eye contact, he just was like, I don't have any money. Mm-hmm. And I turned to him and I was like, dude, he could have been asking you for directions mm-hmm. or you could have stopped but i've done the exact same thing and you know well I'll, you know i'll tell you a story from my own life when i was your age i was working in new york and kind of a yuppie and making a lot of money and a friend of mine named greg from uh, high school came to visit me and we had a similar situation and this guy came up to me directly and said you know i need a dollar and i walked right past him and my friend greg who's like one of the nicest people in the world very christian too looked at me and you could see in his eyes, like, how could you do that? And I just looked at him and I said, you get used to it. So that was me back in like 1982. And that's the kind of person that is being me in 1982 is the kind of person that Dives is, you know, the rich man in that story he just walks right by. Because as Pope Francis said in Laudato Si, which I love, what are the two reasons that the rich uh, don't care about the poor, which I love? I couldn't believe, I'd never heard this said this way. One, they think they're more worthy. Two, they don't know them. Mm-hmm. Really powerful. And, you know, we walk past these people and they're Jesus. So we don't know them. We don't know Jesus. Before we let you go, we have one question we want to ask you. Give us your elevator pitch for picking one person who's alive today to canonize. Just one, huh? Just one. Well, you know, I know you you think I'm going to say Pope Francis, and I think he is a saint, a living saint. But I would say Jean Vanier. Uh, who was the uh, founder of uh, the L'Arche Communities, which helps, I would say, people with uh, disabilities, I think we can say that, to sort of live in community. And I just think in terms of what he's done and his charity and his compassion, he is a living saint. So the Canadian Jean Vanier. Jim, thanks so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Happy to be your first guest. And, thanks, Jim. Uh, Thank and you. As we say in the industry, break a leg. Thank you. <laughs> we'll be praying for you uh, in, your, in your giving ups of Lent. Thank you. Pray for us. And as Jesus said, back at you. all right time for consolations and desolations the portion of our show where we talk about where we found god this week and where it was a little bit harder to find god yeah First up, Zach, what do you got? Well, I'll start off with my consolation is that I am weirdly excited for Lent this year. Um, I've sort of, yeah, (laughs) mainly because I've sort of like taken off Lent for a couple of years now. Uh um, And I've justified it in any number of ways. What do you mean taking, taking off Lent? I I don't, I like didn't really give up something or the thing I gave up was kind of lame and I cheated all the time on it. Mm. Um, I didn't really and I haven't really committed myself in any other way, whether that was like trying to pray more or trying to give to charity more or yeah. something. Uh, this year, I've got some people holding me accountable in various ways. One of them is 
the men's group at my parish. We're all kind of doing some things together. So that'll be helpful. And this other one sort of leads into my uh, desolation is I'm trying to give up junk food for Lent. Ooh, yeah. Well. And but I, Zach, we just went to the grocery store and stocked yeah, gonna, up your snacks. I was going to say good luck <laughs> with I know. our co-host, who is like the snack master. No, actually. no, no. Not snacks. Just junk food. I mean... I'm giving up junk food. Snacks and junk it's food. A fine, it's yeah, a fine it's a, line. It's a very fine line. <laughs> okay. I'm going to be... I'm not going to eat gummy bears. I'll eat carrots. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Like that's... Okay. Yeah. Carrots and salsa. I finally have a national platform to advertise carrots and salsa as the ultimate combination. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, but uh, so I was talking to uh, some friends about this and my girlfriend is really big on the giving up junk food thing, We're doing it together. So she's holding me accountable and I threw a bit of a food tantrum. So I was not my best self. <laughs> When thinking about these uh, Lenten changes that are coming up. So I will wear my ashes proudly on Wednesday. Okay. Okay. Nice. Olga, how about you? Okay. So I'll start off with my desolation. As we mentioned, today is our first Jesuitical episode. Um, And because this is a very new sort of platform that we're undertaking, for me personally, it's very, very nerve wracking. And I get into like very sort of insecure moments where I doubt my ability to kind of do this and I get really nervous and just kind of doubt what we're doing here. Um, But because as I mentioned, it was Oscar season, um, my favorite movie and my favorite, I also mean the only Oscar movie that I watched this year. Except um, for Silence. Except for Silence, obviously. Didn't get a best picture now, so it doesn't count. (laughs) Um, Moonlight won uh, for best picture. Um, And I've been reading a lot of profiles on Barry Jenkins and sort of what this story means to him and just kind of, seeing him rewarded for that and seeing how happy everyone is and sort of the representation that he's giving African-Americans and just people of color in general in this movie just makes me realize that, you know, we need these platforms where we tell stories and where we sort of have openly, we have the sort of open dialogue. So that was my consolation this week. That's good. Yeah. Ashley? Um, so my desolation, I, I like starting with desolations also, and on a high <laughs> note. <laughs> um, so my reading is often defined by what I'm editing at the moment because I have to fact check and whatnot. So we, I was editing an article by, uh, Jesuit John Conley on, uh, abortion and people with Down syndrome. And, uh, one of, he, he writes that Denmark recently boasted that it has, it's a Down syndrome-free country because 100% of uh, pregnancies that are tested for Down syndrome end in abortion. Um, so I, like, followed all those links and read all about it, and that was kind of desolating. I um, So I went to a preschool where about half the half the kids were, um, were kids with Down syndrome, and, you know, they were wonderful and just beautiful human beings. And the fact that they could, as one... Uh, member of the british parliament recently said uh, an endangered species if they were if they were anything but human they would be like on a protected species list um because they could not exist in a lot of countries soon is really depressing so that was my desolation for the week um but my, oh god this is, i don't know how to make this transition but my consolation was <laughs> this wonderful twitter feed that uh my my co-host Olga Segura turned me on to by <laughs> at XLNB, who 
takes this great gif of it's the white guy blinking gif so if you can just imagine a white guy looking very surprised and blinking <laughs> and That's... it is as fantastic as it sounds <laughs> it yeah. so he just has a whole series of like like bible related uh tweets on this theme um just to give you a taste one of them is mary i'm pregnant but i'm also a virgin but it's yours but it's also god's also an angel told me this and then joseph and then white guy blinking memes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just like, it's just like that over and over again and it's it's so good. <laughs> it's so fantastic. I've, I've read this thread several times and hearing Ashley describe it. just It's still funny. It's so funny. It's yeah. like the first time. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Jesuitical is brought to you by American Media and produced by Wyatt Massey. We borrowed our editor, Noah Levinson, from our favorite Jewish podcast, Tablets Unorthodox. Jesuit Formation, provided by Eric Sundrup, SJ. Adult Supervision, provided by Carrie Weber. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show and send us your questions, feedback, cocktail recipes, and tell us where you found God this week at Jesuitical at AmericaMedia.org. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, anywhere else you get your podcasts, um, and please subscribe. Until Friday. Yeah, we'll be back Friday. See you then. See you then. Yeah.